Some of you will know uh, that we operate a food bank here in the church, and uh, we do that uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's five days a week. It's the only food bank in the whole of North Birmingham that is open five days a week. And uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's from 10.30 till uh, 3 o'clock. On Monday, we do a little bit of training and prayer beforehand, so we start at 12 o'clock. But we have... uh, just a little bit about the food bank, because obviously all of this is going to go towards that food bank. And um, we give uh, those who come one bag of food per week. And we try and make each bag as similar as possible to avoid uh, arguments. We don't completely eliminate arguments, but we do our best to eliminate arguments. So each bag is worth around £12 worth of food. It should Uh, be about three days worth of basic eating. It's very low cost food and it's not uh, what some of us would be buying Um, but it's for those who really need food, it's essential. So since the beginning of this year, so from uh, January to September this year, we have fed 1,759 different individuals Uh, And that includes 675 children. In other words, parents are coming and saying, I've got one child or two children or whatever it is. 759 different individuals. Some of those will only come once. Some of those, uh, the most common thing is that people come two or three times. uh, But we have some people who come uh, very, very regularly. That amount of food that we've given so far this year, equivalent, so up to the end of September, we hit the same amount of food that we've given throughout the whole of last year. So this year is about 25% up on last year. Um, and uh, obviously, it's a lot of food. Let me give you exactly what it looks like. Uh, and so in September this year, we gave out 220 bags of food a week. At 12 pounds a bag, how much is that? My maths isn't great. What, two and a half thousand pounds worth of food every week we have to find? Which is sometimes very, very scary. And you think, are we going to have that? Um, but by the grace of God, every day we've got enough food to give people. It's 220 bags a, a, a week on average in September. Just compare that to this time last year, that was 180 bags. But if you go back to pre-pandemic, it was about 60 bags a week. So in the last three years, it's gone up about 400% uh, increase in those who have needed food. And uh, when Deb comes to uh, chat with me, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the reasons why that happens and why we as a church are involved in that and, and then other questions that you might want to ask around that. But can I just say at the outset, I'm hugely grateful for your generosity. Uh, this is, is, is fantastic. My estimate would be that we're around about, this is around about two and a half, three weeks uh, worth of food, uh, maybe a bit more. So that's, that's hugely helpful for us because it just gives us a cushion uh, because sometimes we are operating hand to mouth. We've got a team of folks who go out and uh, shop for us uh, and go to a wholesaler, because obviously it's much cheaper to buy from a wholesaler. Uh, so we're effectively one of the biggest corner shops in the area. Um, and 
we have lots of folks who come and bring food in. It's really helpful if you're able to bring food uh, because we can't always get the food that we need from the, sh from the wholesaler uh, or from other shops. So it's really helpful. Those of you who are able, and I know lots of you do, you come down through the week every week and you bring a bag of food or a couple of bags of food, and we're hugely grateful for that. Uh, and then others contribute uh, to, uh, through our... It's a designated fund, a community fund. It's not from our general fund, and you can set up a standing order to that particular fund if you wish through our website, and then you can, if you're not able to shop for us, you can pay for somebody else to shop for us. So we're hugely grateful. But essentially, today is a traditional day when the, the community comes and gives thanks for what God has provided. And we're very aware that we're all in different places today. We have folks among us who are uh, recipients of the food that we share. We have folks among us who are deeply anxious about the rise in costs and where the next uh, uh, income will come from. And we have folks among us tonight who uh, don't have that anxiety uh, because there's always been a sense of provision for you. And so we're all in different places, but wherever we are, we want to encourage each other to come to God with a sense of gratitude, whether we're grateful for the giving of others to us or whether we're grateful for the income that we've been able to uh, generate or receive or whether whatever it is we're, in, we're grateful for. It may be that we're not able to give thanks for financial things, but we're able to give thanks for the beauty and creation around us, that we're able to give thanks perhaps uh, for health and life. It may be that those things are also difficult to give thanks for, but we can give thanks for the love of God that has reached in and walks with us, for the God who came to us to set us free. So wherever we are, uh, we want to encourage each other uh, in thankfulness. Since we're surrounded by bags and bags of stuff, um, and the, the need, like you were saying, has gone up, I mean, for a lot of us, church is this that we've just done, singing together, sermons, meeting on a Sunday. Why does a church have a food bank? Um, I think there's two reasons. The easy reason is because people are coming to the church for help. But I think underlying that is a scripture which for me, and I've shared this recently in church, has become more and more significant to me. And uh, it's, it's one that you might expect me to read at this point. Uh, but it's Jesus talking uh, about the judgment at the end of time. And uh, he calls himself the Son of Man. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. We look forward to this time when Jesus will end all the suffering. And Paul prayed about that in his prayer, the kingdom coming when there is no more injustice or inequality. And it says here, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, I don't want you to feel that your goat's over here or that your sheep over there. It'd be interesting to know which you would feel is the, the least good to be, sheep or goats. I think I'd In this be a passage, goat. it's goats, sorry? I'd rather be a goat, generally. Yeah, you'd think so, but Jesus tends to think of goats as bad. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, he says he will separate. And, and 
we think, well, on what basis does he separate? On what basis does he do this? And this is when we come to something incredibly shocking. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father and take your inheritance and eternal life with no more suffering. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. That seems to be the agenda or the lifestyle of the people whom God says are blessed, are right, are living in relationship with him. If you like, the people that he knows. They are people who this is what they do. And obviously part of that is, is hunger, to feed the hungry. It talks about clothes, and I should say that we have uh, two outlets for the food bank. One is here, the other is um, Second Thoughts, which is our community project on Falcon. There's a bit of a disco going on here. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, is the uh, community project on Falcon Lodge where we help people to get low-cost clothing as well. But also, I was a stranger and you invited me in. And that it seems to me that one of the principles of people whom God says you're doing the right thing is that we welcome people. And that's become one of the things I fear our nation is getting wrong. And maybe is why so many things go wrong for our nation. Is we've developed a policy of isolation and exclusion. And it goes on, it says, Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And when did we thirsty and give you something to drink? One of the things you notice about scripture is often when it's repeating itself, it's underlining something. And so you get this storytelling that Jesus does where he goes through the whole list. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? And Jesus is laboring this point. He wants us to remember this list, so he repeats it. And the king will reply, truly, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In other words, it's not that, well, we've spotted Jesus because he's the one on the donkey or he's the one with sandals or he's the one with a beard and a halo around his head. It's that we did it for the least. You notice that word, the least? The people at the bottom, the people who others perhaps think shouldn't be getting help. The least. And these are the marks of a disciple. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, for, who he, for, for you are cursed. And into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There's a judgment that, 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 that you can't go to heaven. Frightening. For I was hungry. That's the list again. I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? Same list again. Four times we've had it, 
and did not help you, then he replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of me, you did not do for me. That is why we have a food bank, because that is a command of Jesus to feed the hungry. And we might actually ask the question, why on earth would any community of God's people not be doing this? So off the back of that, because it tells us we should be doing that as his followers, does having a food bank mean that we pass on the responsibility to the church as an organisation? Should we, be, as individuals, have the relationship, be giving it directly? I think it's a bit of both. I think, it, I think fundamentally, in serving God, we are better together than we are as individuals. So I think it is right that we can do more for God as a body, as a team, as a community, as a church, than we can as individuals. There's no way that we can affect 1,759 people as individuals. We do that. So, so fundamentally, there is something. We are stronger by working as a team. We're, that's one of the reasons it's good to belong to a church. You can do far more in partnership with people. But if our neighbour is in need, we have to help. And we've talked about this before, but one of the things I would encourage us all to do, we all know, and I know actually lots of people in the church do this, um, we know some of the folks that, that bear outside of supermarkets, um, and it's good just to build relationship. I wouldn't give money, but I'll build relationship, how I get to know folks' names, what's, how's today gone, do you need anything today? And they might say, oh, I need five pounds for the bus fare. I don't give that. But if they say, I need a sandwich, I need a cup of coffee, I need some deodorant, I will go in and buy that with the shopping that I'm going to do. So there is an individual thing, but we can achieve more through this. Someone said, is a food bank meeting an immediate need but not solving the root causes of those needs? Where does this thing of the responsibility of the state, what's the responsibility of the church? Should so, we be going deeper? So... Well, let's, let's just go, if I go back one step, yep. that one, there, is one, all, there are lots of different reasons why people need food from our food bank. And I, 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 I think it's helpful to understand those reasons, but every one of them has one thing in common. The one thing that everybody has in common who receives our food is they do not have an extended family with resources to fall back on. They do not have a brother or a sister or a parent who can say, I'll give you some money. People who need food, generally, it is not because they've made choices or mistakes that those of us that don't need food do. We all make poor choices. It's because when you get to a moment where your resources are gone, there isn't a family, mm. either because relationships have broken down or because folks have died or because the extended family is the same situation. So we're talking about second, third, fourth generations of poverty. You cannot fix that overnight. You can't fix it overnight. So there are all kinds of political things that we may want to talk about, that yes, there are things that, that, that a nation can do to help things. But our nation is institutionally, relationally dysfunctional. We have lost family life and community life. And that is the real reason. And that isn't 
particularly a government's fault. I think governments can help, but we have generation after generation who have lost the ability to love and care for each other. But there are all, so, so that's the main reason. Now, on top of that, then there are a whole lot of other things that happen. So people are on zero contract hours and they don't get any hours that week. There are people who are self-employed and their business doesn't take off. Uh, there are people who miss an appointment. I missed the dentist a few weeks ago. I didn't lose six weeks of income as a result. If you miss an appointment with your benefit office, you are uh, sanctioned and you miss. You do not get your benefits. There are people who are who have addictions. There are people who um, have made poor financial choices, but so have I. Mm. But I've got a mum and sisters and a safety net. So the food bank's there for people that don't have that. It, 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 for net. all kinds of reasons, people coming to our, our nations fleeing from persecution, there's so many different reasons on the face of it, but the common denominator is they don't have the network behind them. And I don't think we can say to them, you, we're not going to give you food because we want to change society. So I think part of what we might come on to is this whole uh, tension between the, the, the reality that the Bible talks about the poor always being with us. This side of heaven, there's a broken, damaged society. We are not going to create the perfect society. We're not going to get a perfect political system. We possibly could improve on our current one, but we're not going to get a perfect one. <laughs> so we can't say to those who are alone or hungry or fearful, we're not going to give you food because we want to change the system. Another big story is the parable of the Good Samaritan, which has lots and lots of implications. You know, the, the guy gets beaten mm. up. One of the things that's interesting about that story is that culturally it is well known. It says that he was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus names a road. He names that road because everybody knew that was a dangerous road and you shouldn't be on it. And it's as if he's saying there was a guy walking through, you know, name your difficult part of Birmingham at 11 at night and he got beaten up. And everybody's going, well, that's his own fault then, isn't it? Mm. That's the reaction that would have, been, would have happened. But he, Jesus tells a story and answers the question, who is the neighbour that I am to love? And the neighbour I am to love is, we know the big part of the story is someone from a different religion and race who we disagree with, but also somebody who, was, who made a poor choice and went the wrong way. So I don't think we can just say, well, the system's wrong, we're not going to help. Follow up just on the technicals of the food bank. Someone said, typically, how do the people who come to our food bank hear about it? Um, typically, uh, the job centre will tell them. Uh, the hub and other community organisations will tell them. The police will tell them. Church members who meet folks outside Tesco's will tell them. And word of mouth. So, uh, all of those ways. And quite a specific thing that someone's asked. If someone in church is suffering from mental health problems and is embarrassed to use a food bank, what help would you offer them and support 
would they receive or what can be suggested? Um, I think it's a really important question. Before I answer that, I think just to say the vast majority of those who come to the food bank are embarrassed. And it's a privilege to offer grace at that moment. I think the answer to that question is I would hope that, that people feel there is somebody in the church who they trust enough to say, can you help me? And it may be me, it may be you, it may be somebody else. We can make sure that folks get food without anybody else knowing. There are times when I enable people to have food without anybody else needing to know. Um, so if, a church, if you as a church member come and say to Georgie or to me, I need a, a bag of food for somebody else, we don't need to know who that is. And that happens. It happens, yeah. Quite a lot. Um, oh, yeah, question that came in just beforehand. Has the church considered setting up a community food shop, which you might have to explain what it is? <laughs> yeah, so a community food shop, like a pantry kind of thing, yeah, so. is where people uh, pay a, a little sort of membership thing and then folks come and choose the food that they want from all that's there. Uh, We've considered it a lot. Currently, there are a couple of reasons, and Georgie might give me some more reasons why it doesn't quite work for us at this point. We tend to be reaching people who are in a crisis rather than a systemic situation because we're a town centre church. So a community food bank will work better on an estate where people are stable, whereas we deal with a lot of transient situations, uh, and a lot of chaotic lives, uh, whereas a sort of credit, it's like a credit union, like a club where people works, it's a good scheme and it's a good scheme for a defined community, whereas we're a much bigger community. That's the first thing. And the second thing for us, and one of the reasons why we go with the bags that we carefully ensure each bag is um, roughly the same, is that for some of those who come, there is uh, there is a difficulty in not that uh, they will they they have a difficulty in in stopping what they would take <laughs> if there was a, a row of things they would take a lot, and then others would say that's not fair, and then you would have fights. And that is less likely to happen in a community where people know each other. It's much more problematic for a town centre thing like us, where people are coming who don't know each other, and they just see, why has that person grabbed more food than this person? Why has they got more in their bag? And it would become quite difficult. So um, this system works better for the very, very poorest. Uh, but a community group or pantry works better to help people manage who are, uh, who are in a community, really. 
Um, so it swings and roundabouts. We constantly review it. Georgie and I talk about it. But that's the reason. So you currently. say it's good for the very poorest. Um, what about there's going to be some people that come that are just taking the mick. They just want a bit extra. Or what, what do we do? Well, I think two things. Um, Stockwell rice pudding. I mean, I don't like rice pudding, so no. not a good. <laughs> a lot of what we are giving is absolute basic food. We're not giving out caviar. This isn't ambrosia. I don't like that either. <laughs> this isn't ambrosia. I can't rule out that occasionally there will be people, they're not taking the mick, because you, this isn't great food. Mm -hmm. It's 12 pounds worth of food. I can't rule it out, but what I would say is this, two things. Firstly, if I, when I get to the moment when I'm judged, I don't, I don't mind God saying, do you know what? You gave some food to people who, shouldn't, who didn't need it. I think he won't be that cross about that. <laughs> I don't want to meet Jesus and him says, you didn't give it to me. Mm. And the second thing is that I, and you'll hear me say this a lot, I am utterly convinced that one of the biggest things that makes God angry is judging. And I have resolved in life in so many situations just not to bother judging. It's much easier if people ask for food, I will give it. I don't want to go through a, have you done this? Do you do that? How much food have you really got? Who am I to judge? Really? Is 12 pounds worth of food one bag? Is that really the end of the world? We might, there might be. So one of the things that, that, that we've been debating is that some of the people come go to another food bank as well. And then I thought, you know, my shopping bill for the week is not 12 pounds. Who am I to say somebody should only have 12 pounds worth of food? Actually, I thought, in the end, I thought, that's great that they're getting extra food from somewhere else. That's actually a good thing. And I think that... You know, we talked about you know, God's generosity, which is a part of what this is about, is to model to people that God loves and cares for people. And that's why these verses are here, because he absolutely cares for the individual. And God's love and generosity is overwhelming. It is abounding. It is not tight-fisted. So, I really don't think it matters if one in a hundred, one in a thousand didn't really need it. Frankly, this is 30p, they can have it. Mm. Questions come in. What would Jesus say about the ever-increasing inequalities that generate the need for food banks? And I think just off the back of that, I was reading before I came um, that the cost of living is more than 10% higher than it was a year ago. So just general, on average in the UK, costs 10% more to survive than it did a year ago, but that the main items rising, because that's an average, 
are staples like food and energy. And they reckon, because of that, because food and energy are a higher proportion of a poor household's expenditure than a rich, a rich household might spend more on energy, but it's a lower percentage of their total, that actually, because of that, um, for the poorest, it's 18% more expensive now than a year ago, mm -hmm. whereas for the richest, um, it's more like 11% yeah. down there. And so actually, that 10% is a lower estimate, and actually, so it's the Institute for Fiscal Studies estimates that actually, in reality, for the richest, 20%, 11% more expensive. For the poorest, it's 18%. Yeah. So, it's yeah. so how... What the question was, what would Jesus say about the ever-increasing inequality? So I, I, I think, first of all, I want to be absolutely clear. I, I, I don't promote any particular political party, and I have a diff, an issue with all of them. <laughs> and, and one of the issues I have with all of them, which underlines all of this, and does sound like a criticism of the current or last week's regime, <laughs> I think the whole basis of how do we have growth is fundamentally flawed. I don't think as Christian, I don't think Jesus is saying, what I really want for everyone is for them to have more than they had last year. I think that absolutely wrecks the planet. And I think it's naked materialism. So I think the first thing I think Jesus would say is stop trying to have more. Let's try and have enough for everyone. And so I am, what was the phrase of last week? Uh, the, what's it of growth? The, what was it called? The enemies of growth or whatever it is. I'm an enemy of growth. I don't think that we need more and more and more. I think we need enough, enough, enough. So I think Jesus would say that. I personally think that uh, Jesus would encourage a culture. So I think, I, can, I don't want to be part of political, but I think fundamentally that the purpose of government is to protect people. So you have an army, you have a police force, you have streetlights, you have a health service, you have education. The purpose of government is to protect. Uh, therefore, I personally feel that taxes are good. I think it is good to pay for the lights. I think it is good to pay for the police. I think it is good to pay, pay for health service. I think it is good to pay for education for all. I think these things are good. I think Jesus might say you're slightly obsessed about cutting taxes. It's like saying having something for nothing. And, I, and I, I'd love to have a world where those who don't want to pay taxes, the streetlight isn't on on their street. <laughs> <laughs> and the police don't come when they call. And the ambulance doesn't come when they call. And their kids can't go to school. So I think that's very political. I, and, but I, I labor it at both, all the parties. I think that, we, that Jesus would say we do need to welcome the stranger. 
and not retreat to our four little boundary island and say nobody else can come in. I think we do need to care for the vulnerable and to look out for those who haven't family. And I think those of us who have enough need to share. In the danger of getting more into the political stuff, <laughs> feel free to avoid as you wish. Um, so, with tax and different... Someone's richer, paying more tax, someone poorer, paying less tax. And one of the arguments is that someone who's richer ha pays for private health care, puts their kid in private schooling, um, probably lives down a country lane with no lights, yep. um, and they get taxed more. Is that right? I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> um, I think that we are called to look after the vulnerable. And a fundamental thing for me is that we, I count myself as wealthy. I'm not wealthy because I work harder than people in other nations who live on a pound a day. I don't work harder than them. I'm not cleverer than them. I'm not more spiritual than them. I don't have more prayer. Through God's provision or my luck, whichever way you want to look at it, I had a good education, live in a safe nation and have enough to eat and have a family that supported me if I needed it. Whenever, uh, I don't think, you know, you know, whenever my car has broken down, my mum has bought me a new car. That's how I've lived all my life in Christian ministry. It's not because I'm a better person. And I think that those who are wealthy do need to realize they're lucky. It's not their right. They haven't, uh, they're not better people. I'm not a better person. I'm lucky. And I think when you, when you come to terms with that, you want to share it. Because you, and that's what Harvest is about, is saying, we haven't earned this, God has given it, so we want to share it. Because we are not here because we're the cleverest, hardest working, most godly people in the world. We're just fortunate to live in Sutton Coalfield and, and not in Yemen. And really, uh, yeah, that would be my answer. My second answer, just... If I was that wealthy, I would be worried about what the Bible says about the people who are that wealthy. And I would be wanting to give as much money as away as I could to make sure I wasn't going to get, <laughs> because it's pretty clear what, just Google in the Bible the word rich and see what you get. Back to a practical thing about the food bank. Would it help to give money, which can then be gift-aided if you're a taxpayer, instead of tins? Uh, if you uh, both are helpful, the advantage of you bringing food in is that we don't have to go and shop for it. And sometimes when we go shopping, the, the shelves are empty. The advantage of folks giving a regular gift to the, the community fund is exactly as you say, it is gift-aided. 
If you are able to shop, I think that is... It's good to have both of those options, so either one works. Great. Um, so Heather Maybury, she's put her name, so I've said her name, says, uh, I volunteer at Food Cycle every Monday. We make meals from food supermarkets, reject. All welcome, Falcon Lodge Community Centre, um, Heather. So it's on Mondays at 3.30, and it's more about reusing food that would be wasted yeah. otherwise, yeah. Um, and everyone's yeah. welcome to come along to try and reduce... Waste. It's worth saying that some of you know about Hope and also Food for You at, at, at the URC. They do use a lot more of, of, of uh, out-of-life food and do the same kind of things and cook, and, and they give to us their surplus, so we sometimes have bread, but in the main... Our thing is to give something consistent that people can rely on. Uh, so there's, it's good that we work in partnership with Hope and, and with all these different places. We're not the only provider. Coming towards the end, um, how do we balance the respect for leaders that God has placed in charge? At the moment, I'm not sure who that is, but someone. <laughs> um, and speaking up for the poor and against injustice? I think, personally, I think it's important to look at every individual policy as to whether it's right or wrong, not because that party said it, I disagree with it, or that party said it, so I agree with it. I think the sort of adversarial nature of politics where whatever the other groups say must be wrong, even if it's the, one, the policy we had before, I think that's really unhelpful, so I think we have to look at everything and say, individually, is that the right thing? I think we do need to submit to, to government in the sense of we pay our taxes and we keep the law. I think it's really important to keep the law. But I think there is a time to, to say that what a government is doing might be wrong. And I think that... I think... I think leaders must tell the truth. Otherwise, the whole basis of, of trust is gone. I think leaders must keep the law themselves. I think leaders must protect. I think that it's important that we hold our leaders to those things, that their fundamental purpose is not, in my view, economic growth. It is protection. Uh, and, 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 but fourthly, the state is not ever going to solve everything. So we can't blame governments. You, you, you can't really blame the government for generations of people in our culture who do not have parents they can rely on. That's not really the government's fault. So I think there is an element of saying they could... The state can do what it can do, and we hold them to account on those things, but it isn't going to solve the world. There's a spiritual need. There's a need, you know, that role relationship stuff is much more about discovering God's purposes for us as individuals. So last question. On, you're saying it's important to keep the law. Uh, in the news this week, loads of clergy and uh, vicars and things have been arrested because they've been standing up saying, you know, the government shouldn't be subsidising these oil companies, the price of 
energy and everything shouldn't be so high. They've been out doing various things that presumably have gone against law and they've been arrested. Um, is there a place for protesting or for standing up in that way? If, if they're not listening and it goes on and goes on and goes on, is there a place for standing up and saying? Well, I think absolutely there's a place. I remember hearing somebody being challenged, you know, who'd gone, who'd gone to prison in a protest and, and somebody said, you're a Christian, how on earth can you be in prison? And the guy said, it was Jim Wallace, and he said, have you read the New Testament? You're a Christian, how the heck are you not in prison? <laughs> so there is an element that really all the New Testament writers went to prison. So I think there's absolutely a place. I'm very struck. I think it is Gandhi, it might have been, or Martin Luther King, it might have been both of them who basically said, we will break the law, but we will take the, we will take the, the punishment that we deserve. We won't avoid and we will clog up the system <laughs> with us being prosecuted. So I think if you're going to break the law, you've got to be prepared to pay the fine or whatever. But personally, I think we have to hear God call up what we are being called to. And I think the whole issue of climate change is massively important. But so is... Uh, so is discrimination and, and the prejudice against different colours. There's so many things that are, where do you, st I could go to prison immediately. <laughs> I don't know where you, where you st which thing you, you go for. And certain people feel called to pursue Yeah, so I, I wouldn't judge or, con I, would, I would, you know, if somebody feels this is the issue I'm going to make a stand on, then I would say that's absolutely fine. For me, Personally, that's not where I've been led at this point. Um, and I feel, this may be a cop-out, I feel I can do more effective what God wants me to do out of prison than in. And I don't... There isn't yet a cause where I think that's the thing is worth going to prison for. For me. I said it was the last question, but we've had a question in from someone. Um, so to some, if, there's some, if there's someone here who feels like they don't have a family that can support them, mm. people that you're talking about, yeah. how can they, what can they do? How can they find support? Well, there's absolutely people. I know there will be people mm. here. Because it's a that, question someone's sent in. How can I find? So, so I think that's what we need to do. We, that the church needs to be a family for people. We need to be the support for people. And there are times, there are times right in the last week where I have seen this church do that for people who have no family, where house groups and individuals gather around a person and are there for them. Um, and there are times when we completely miss and somebody is isolated and alone in the church so for this so, person who says, how can I gain support and my family aren't there for me? What can they do at the end of now? Well, I think before that, in one sense, it isn't for that person. It's for the rest of us to notice that. So my thing would be, make sure you talk to people after the service and get to know people and get to know people's lives. Do you know the people you live around? Do you know where their family are? Do you know what their situation is? So before we're asking that individual to do something, it's up to us to make sure we gather around people and everybody, and we know the people that are vulnerable. Um, 
Because it's very difficult for that individual to say, I don't have anyone. Um, but I would encourage people to join a small group, to join, if you, if you don't know how to get into a small group, come on a Wednesday night to live in the life and begin the journey into small groups. Uh, I think that is the best way in. What do you think? Yeah, or Alpha. Or Alpha. Yeah. Get to know each other. Chat to someone after the service that you didn't come with, if you feel able. Yeah. See how they are. Ask them, what was your advice this morning? Not to say... Oh, don't say, are you new? Uh, <laughs> just, just... Nothing good comes of that question. <laughs> Uh, you just say, uh, I don't think we've spoken very much before. And chat to them. So on that note, shall I pray? Yes. Father, we thank you that we are able to gather together like this. We, are, we thank you that we're able to offer a food bank each day of the week. We thank you for the food around us that we've been able to bring here today. Father, we pray that you would continue uh, to work through us, that you continue to prompt us, that we would be known for our generosity. We pray that we would be known for our love for each other and that we would get to know each other in a deeper and deeper way and that we would be united in you. Go with us, we pray, this week. Amen. Amen. Great, thank you. Thank you.